0: Welcome back to Cherry Avenue True Crime Podcast. I am continuing on here with Based on a True Story series. This is the first one on serial killers. There are a lot of movies made about serial killers. For instance, there are at least four movies about Ted Bundy. There are at least two on Jeffrey Dahmer, two or more on John Wayne Gacy, two on the Zodiac Killer, etc. For this series, we will go over the movies and the crimes of these, as well as the lesser-known serial killers. Hopefully, you will find a few movies you want to watch and possibly, along the way, learn a few interesting things that you didn't know before. And, of course, there will be names of some bonus movies at the end. There are two movies we are going to cover today. The first one we are going to cover is a movie from 2014 that I just recently discovered. It's called The Happy Face Killer, starring David Arquette and Gloria Rubin. It was on the Lifetime channel, so you may be able to view it on demand, on cable, or on one of the streaming services. The description the movie has listed is as follows. Serial killer Keith Chesperson murders at least eight women over a five-year span and taunts authorities with disturbing letters and scribbled confessions signed with a happy face. Keith Hunter Jesperson killed at least eight women in the U.S. from 1990 to 1995. He sent letters to the media and to prosecutors with smiley faces on them. He was a truck driver, and most of his victims were either sex workers or transients. Jesperson was very tall, around 6'7", and he was nearly 240 pounds. It was at the age of 35, newly divorced, that he began to kill. His first victim was in January of 1990, he met Tanya Bennett at a bar. She went back to his house with him, which was near Portland, Oregon, and he says they got into an argument. He ended up hitting her repeatedly and then strangling her to death. He then went back to the bar they met at, had drinks and conversation with other people in the bar in order to have an alibi. Later that night, he dumped her body in a ditch and disposed of her belongings. When Tanya Bennett's body was found, the news covered the story heavily. A woman named Laverne Pavlinak read about Bennett, and she went to authorities and told them that she and her boyfriend, John Sosnovska, were responsible for the killing. In February of 1991, they were both convicted of killing Tanya Bennett. Later, it was determined that Laverne had wanted to get away from the abusive relationship she was in with Sosnovska, and that is why she falsely claimed they were involved in the murder. It was more than two years later when Keith Jesperson killed his next victim. On August thirtieth, 1992, the body of a woman who was raped and strangled was found near Blith, California. She is still unidentified. Jesperson said the name she told him was Claudia. A month later, in Turlock, California, another body was found. Her name was Cynthia Lynn Rose. Jesperson said that she was a sex worker who climbed into his truck while he slept. In November of 1992, Lori Ann Pentland, a sex worker in Salem, Oregon, was his fourth victim. When Jesperson learned that two other people were in prison for the murder of Tanya Bennett, he was upset someone else was getting the credit. On a bathroom wall in a rest stop far away, he drew a smiley face and wrote an anonymous letter confessing to killing Bennett and citing proof. When he did not get a response, he started writing letters to the media and prosecutors. Jesperson's next two victims would both be unidentified. In June of 1993, in Santa Nella, California, he says he met a street person named either Carla or Cindy, who was his fifth victim. Then, in September of 1994, in Crestview, Florida, another Jane Doe was found. Jesperson says her name was Suzanne. That makes three of his victims as still unidentified. In January 1995, Jesperson gave Angela Serbreeze, 21, a ride. She told him she wanted to go see her boyfriend. He told her he would take her there. He even let her use his credit card to make a call to the boyfriend. The happy-faced killer ended up raping and strangling her. Because he let her use his credit card, he was concerned that they would link him to her when the body was found. To avoid being identified, Jesperson theorized that he needed to make her body unrecognizable he strapped Sabriza's body to the undercarriage of his truck and dragged her face down to grind off her face and prints. March 30, 1995, Keith Jesperson was arrested for the murder of his fiancée. The happy Face killer murdered his last victim, fiance Julie Ann Winningham, 41. By all accounts, Jesperson seemed to have a good relationship with Winningham but he got the idea in his head that she was only with him for his money. He strangled her and dumped her body. In October 1995, Jesperson pleaded guilty to murdering Julie Ann Winningham. November 2nd, he entered a plea of no contest for the murder of Tanya Bennett. He also confessed to the murders of Lori Ann Pentland and Angela Sabrese. In 2010, the Happy Face Killer pleaded guilty to murdering Jane Doe, a.k.a. Claudia, in California. He was handed his fourth life sentence. Keith Hunter Jesperson was born on April 6, 1955, in Chilliwack, British Columbia. When Jesperson was a teenager, his family moved to Sela, Washington. In later years, Jesperson told how his father was abusive, and much of what he had become was likely due to that. His father, less denied that he was abusive, but many family members verified the alleged abuse stories. The book I, The Creation of a Serial Killer by Jack Olson apparently goes into detail all about Jesperson's upbringing and how truly awful it was. I haven't read it, but it has a lot of great reviews. I'll definitely have to check out this book and this author. Keith Hunter Jesperson remains incarcerated in Oregon State Penitentiary serving life without parole. He is currently 65 years old. The other movie we are talking about today is Frozen Ground. The 2013 movie starring Nicolas Cage and John Cusack. It was found on 2B TV. I found it on 2B TV. I definitely recommend this film. I mean, Nicolas Cage and John Cusack, and it's well done. The description of the movie is as follows: It is based on the crimes of the real-life Alaskan serial killer Robert Hansen. The film depicts an Alaskan state trooper's investigation into Hansen by partnering with a young woman who escaped from Hansen's clutches. The media called Robert Hansen the butcher baker. From 1971 to 1983, Hansen abducted, raped, and murdered at least 17 women in and around Anchorage, Alaska. He actually hunted a lot of his victims in the wilderness with a Ruger Mini-14 and a knife. He was arrested and convicted in 1983 and was sentenced to 461 years and a life sentence without the possibility of parole. He was said to pick up prostitutes in his car and then at gunpoint take them to his cabin. He would rape them there and fly them out to the middle of nowhere and hunt them as if they were wild game, ending it by shooting or stabbing them. In June 1983, Hansen offered 17-year-old worker Cindy Paulson $200 to perform oral sex. When she got into the car, he pulled a gun on her and drove her to his home in Muldoon. There he held her captive with chains and raped her. She told police that after Hansen chained her by the neck to a post in the basement, he took a nap on the couch. After the nap, he drove her to the small airport where he told her that he intended to take her out to his cabin. Paulson was still in the back seat of the car with her wrists cuffed in front of her while Hansen was loading the plane. She saw a chance to escape. While Hansen's back was turned, Paulson crawled out of the back seat, opened the driver's side door, and ran toward a nearby road. She later told police she had left her sneakers on the passenger side floor of the back seat as proof she had been in the car. Hansen chased her, but Paulson managed to flag down a passing truck. The driver, Robert Yount, alarmed by Paulson's appearance, stopped and picked her up. He wanted to take her to the police station, but she was too traumatized and panicked. When she insisted he drop her off at the Mush Inn, he did. He then drove on to report the crime to police. Robert Hansen was questioned, but he claimed Paulson was trying to extort him, and because he wouldn't give in, she was trying to get him in trouble. Even though he had a criminal record for arson, another for sexual assault, and even one for shoplifting, he was considered an upstanding citizen who owned his own bakery. At this point, there was already an investigation going on for several bodies found in and around Anchorage. Alaska State Trooper Detective Glenn Floth contacted the FBI after he had three bodies that looked like they were possibly from one killer. Special Agent John Douglas got involved with a criminal psychological profile. Douglas thought the killer would be an experienced hunter with low self-esteem, have a history of being rejected by women, and would feel compelled to keep souvenirs of his murders, such as the victim's jewelry. He also suggested that the assailant might stutter. Eventually, this led to Robert Hansen. Together with Paulson's testimony and Douglas's profile, Floth and the APD got a warrant to search Hansen's plane, vehicles, and home. They found jewelry belonging to some of the missing women, as well as firearms in Hansen's attic. Also found was an aeronautical chart with little X marks on it, hidden behind Hansen's headboard. Many of these marks matched sites where prior bodies had been found. Hansen denied everything for a long time, but he eventually began admitting what he had done, but at the same time, he tried to justify his actions. He blamed the women. He admitted the attacks began in 1971. Hansen's wife Darla had no idea that her husband was a killer, She did say she thought he was up to no good and thought that maybe his secret was picking up hookers in the middle of the night to have sex with before he went to open the bakery. She and the kids often went to Arkansas, where she had family, and they went for extended visits, especially in the summer. Hansen took advantage of the time she was gone, bringing Paulson and others to the home before flying them to the wooded areas he used. Robert Hansen was sentenced to 461 years plus life without the possibility of parole. He was born in Esterville, Iowa in 1939. He was the son of a Danish immigrant and followed in his father's footsteps as a baker. As a child and teen, he was very shy, had a stutter and severe acne. He was also described as being quiet and a loner, and he had difficult relationship with his domineering father. Hansen started to practice both hunting and archery, finding escape in these pastimes. His first noted crimes began as early as 1960 when he was arrested for burning down a Pocahontas County Board of Education school bus garage. He served 20 months in prison for this. During this incarceration, he was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, which was called manic depression then, as well as periodic schizophrenic episodes. The psychiatrist who made the diagnosis noted that Hansen had an infantile personality and was obsessed with getting back at people he felt had wronged him. He was jailed several times for some petty thefts over the next few years. In 1967, he moved to Anchorage, Alaska with his second wife, whom he had married in 1963. They had two children together. He was liked by his neighbors and even set several local hunting records. In 1961, Hansen was arrested twice, once for the abduction and attempted rape of a housewife, and again for raping a prostitute. He pleaded no guilty to assault with a deadly weapon in the offense involving the housewife. The rape charge involving the prostitute was dropped as part of a plea bargain. He was sentenced to five years in prison. After serving six months of his sentence, he was placed on a workhouse release program and released to a halfway house. In 1976, Hansen pled guilty to larceny after he was caught stealing a chainsaw from Fred Meyer store in Anchorage. He was sentenced to five years in prison and required to receive psychiatric treatment for his bipolar disorder. The Alaska Supreme Court reduced his sentence and he was released with time served. Robert Hansen died in prison at the age of 75 in 2014 due to natural causes from lingering health conditions. The bonus movie names for this episode are Memoirs of Murder. It's a Korean film from 2003 by the director of Parasite. It's loosely based on a South Korean serial killer who was convicted of killing his sister-in-law in in 1994, and then confessed to killing 14 other people, including 10 in the serial murders between 1986 and 1991. The movie is set in that time period. If you liked Parasite, you will most likely like this one as well. The South Korean serial murders were between September 15, 1986 and April 3, 1991. The victims, all women, were found bound, gagged, raped, and in most cases strangled to death with their own clothes, such as pantyhose or socks. The murders sparked the largest criminal case in South Korea. And the other movie is The Life and Crimes of William Palmer. It's a 1998 movie that I found on Amazon Prime. In the mid-1800s, William Palmer started out poisoning a man he owed, then went on to killing his babies and eventually his wife, and more until he was caught. The stepfather of the last man he killed had an autopsy performed and then Palmer's wife was exhumed. William Palmer was hung in 1856. He was also suspected of poisoning and killing people before the first man, but it was never proven. Stay tuned for the source list if you are so inclined. If you would like to support the show, please tell a friend or share on social media. Also, I will be sharing the information on the three victims of Keith Jespersons that are still unidentified. It would be nice if those poor women could be known and a name put to their resting place. Thank you for listening. The sources for today's episode, Cindy Paulson, Now, Where is Robert Hanson Survivor Today? Update, TheCinemaholic.com Robert Hansen, Wikipedia Robert Hansen's wife had no idea he was a serial killer, Heavy.com Butcher Baker, Prosecutor, Says Robert Hansen was a small guy who quickly transformed into a monster. Doc, Fox News Keith Hunter Jesperson, Wikipedia 12 Disturbing Facts About the Happy Face Killer, Ranker.com Happy Face Killer Wiki, Five-Year Rampage, Leads to Eight Murders, Crimola.com. The links to these will be on the show notes. Also, a book I haven't read yet, but um, apparently has a lot of good information, is I, colon, The Creation of a Serial Killer by Jack Olson. I'll put that name on the, uh, on the show notes as well. And I, another source is imbd.com imdb.